welcome, uh, <laughs> rice, <laughs> rice gals and rice guys. Oh, you do it. <laughs> no, no, you this do is it. hard. Guys, you right, said you wanted to, uh, so right before look, it started. I'm, I forget what you say. Okay, guys, so wait, what do I have to say? How much do I have to say before I get into it? As much as you want. Okay, well, you know what this is. This is uh, Mad About Mad About You, your weekly week have Mad About You podcast. I'm John Marbley. I'm Russ Fader. And I was stuck in traffic hell in Los Angeles, so I'm literally at the corner of uh, Beverly and Robertson at a Starbucks outside watching the traffic go by. So uh, there might be some beeps and honks, and, and it, we also might run into Paul Reiser or Helen Hunt, so who knows? And if we do, I'll be <laughs> sure to flag him down. <laughs> How'd you like starting things off, John? Honestly, I thought it would be easy, and then uh, it's one of those situations where you... its You know, Russ, I gotta say, you make it look easy, and it's one of those situations where uh, you take how difficult it is for granted, and then the second you start to do it, you realize you have no idea what you're doing, and it was uh, not a great experience. <laughs> I felt out of John? my depth. Frankly, even though I messed it up, it still seems... Can't be that hard, John. <laughs> yeah, I forgive you. Thank you. You're forgiven. I okay. could feel everyone. Un- <laughs> Everyone's unsubscribing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great. No, it's weird though, right? You don't realize that you don't know what you're going to say, and that it's like okay, and now is where the podcast starts, and it's just like oh wait, it doesn't start until I start talking, and I don't know what to say yet. Yeah, and you always do those crazy, uh, exciting, you know, da 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 da, whatever. Yeah, it's like a little strip tease. I yeah, so I tried to do that, stuff. but it felt uh, disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, you do a little striptease. A little of this, a sure. little of that. <laughs> How's your day? I mean, look, you've been in traffic. You've been in L.A. traffic. I don't know if this happens in other cities, but you ever get in the car and you put in the GPS time and uh, you put in the destination and the GPS tells you an amount of time and the amount of time goes up with time itself, almost like it's a <laughs> clock. <laughs> So in essence, you're never moving forward, even though you're constantly moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to make this analogy again because I'm watching Lost for the first time. And so it's on my mind perpetually. Do you think you're dead? Like, are you in hell? And that's why the clock keeps on changing. Oh, baby, how can I be in hell? I'm in the sunshine. I got my coffee. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's no sunglasses in in hell. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely not, Russ. No, it's true. I don't know what you think hell is. Look, I'm joking about it. We're all we're laughing about it now, but there definitely there definitely are no sunglasses in hell. Yeah, in case it's not clear, hell is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. How has your week been so far? I don't know. Fine. Good. I, how, how about you? I feel like I've talked also a lot fun. about my day already. No, my uh, my day was my day's been okay. My last day of work, taking a little mini vacation, gonna head out of town for a little bit. It's oh, that's nice. exciting. Yeah, do a little uh, scuba diving. Uh-huh. Yeah, sco- some of that sweet, sweet Ohio scuba dive. Yeah, for those who don't know it, Russ is an extreme uh, outdoor sports enthusiast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna do. I'm going to do some bow hunting and and some bow staff fighting. Like, I'm going to have a bow bow day. It's going to be pretty. I'm looking forward to it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm gonna, And then I'm going to hunt the person who I fight with the bow staff. Uh, I'm going to let him run free and then try to shoot him with a bow. Oh, the most dangerous game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Well, so, we've gathered here today to talk about Mad About You again. Indeed. This episode was season one, episode 21. Correct. It's called <laughs> The Painter. It aired on May 15th, 1993, mm -hmm. a mere seven days after the last one. Yep, it's true. Still reassuring. Because, you know, after it skips two months, you start picking that TV guide up every week being like, oh, 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 thank God it's well, there. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait until the next half year. It's like when a podcast disappears. <laughs> yeah. And you just have no idea if it's going to be like a day or five years or never. Yeah, yeah. It's always, it's, well, it's sad when that happens anyway, under any circumstances. But like when it's a popular one and you know that it's like, oh, you've stopped doing this podcast because you've gotten more important or more lucrative Oh, like the things. Paul F. Tomcast. The, the Pod F. Tomcast that went away for a while. That disappeared, right? Yeah. And then came back yeah. all of a sudden and then disappeared. He, he did it all, the, you know, it was every month. And then it was just like, I'm going to do this when I can. Sure. And then it was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, it would be a one mini episode every other, like every six weeks. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, basically we got ghosted. We got, go yeah, for, for a while. And then he came back and now he does uh, Spontanea Nation on Earwolf, which is a lot of fun. Solid plug. Um, yeah. Check it out. A fun Paul F. Tompkins uh, improv podcast. He's the funniest person in the world. I'd like to make a promise and commitment to all of our listeners, Russ, that yeah. we will never disappear without saying goodbye. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't plan on disappearing prematurely, but I'm just saying, if you ever think we've just vanished for some reason, unless we are dead for some reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, gosh, time, you're right. We will never just uh, ghost you guys. If we both become the busiest people in the universe and can't even function and do this anymore, we will at least say goodbye. John, I love this. I love that you're committed to this. I will say, I'll go one further. John will never say goodbye. That I promise. How is that That further? we promise. <laughs> well, because the, the other part is, I promise that I will never die. Oh. Right. So, <laughs> so we right, don't have to worry about it. kill people with a bow and arrow and drink their blood. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I'm an immortal. <laughs> yeah. Right. And as soon as we finish the seven seasons of the show, I'm going to start over again and I'm just going to do it over and over again. Oh, boy. What a, what, what a frustrating game. Immortal combat would be, huh? <laughs> anyway, folks, <laughs> these are the jokes. <laughs> I feel like I should hey. put a hat in front of me since I'm <laughs> on the street. <laughs> Let me back up one super quick second to tell you something that Jen put together as she was listening to one of our most recent I podcasts. I love this. Was this a correction yeah. again, or was this uh, new information? No, no, just a little bit of a connection that she made. Not Beautiful. a correction, a connection. Oh. We were talking about Days of Our Lives in the episode where... Oh, uh, sure. Where, yeah. With Mr. Sheffield slash Shane from Days of Our Very Lives. Very good, Russ. I feel like you reprogrammed yourself over the last week to not stick out. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah, like <laughs> but, if you were uh, in the CIA, that would have been a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. Did I not tell you that I'm actually a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> It's like that scene in uh, Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, it's very good. Anyway, so in that episode, I, we talked about Days of Our Lives, and I mentioned Victor Kyriakis and seeing yes. Victor Kyriakis. Do you know who played Victor Kyriakis? Uh, no. John Aniston. Jennifer Aniston's dad? Of Jennifer Aniston. No kidding. Jennifer Aniston, who was on Friends. Friends starring uh, Lisa Kudrow. Phoebe Buffay, sister of Ursula Buffay, mad about you. Boom. Cool. That is very cool. 
You know what's funny? Neat. A lot of people get a kick out of uh, a short number of leaps, and I think we both really enjoy the longer roundabout route to yes. Mad About You. Yeah, recently we were just like, I think, <laughs> yeah, we were excited about being two degrees of separation away from Barnett Kelman. Yeah, I'm that's like, true. That's, I'm like, that's fine, but... Uh, <laughs> But if we can get 10 leaps away from that about you, <laughs> So, yes. So, what does uh, TV Guide have to say? how they do? Well, you know how they say if you put a bunch of uh, apes in a room full of typewriters and give them an infinite amount of time, they'll write the complete works of Hamlet? Or uh, I mean, uh, Shakespeare? They, yeah. How many? I mean, look, Hamlet wrote a lot of plays. So. Yeah, right. Sure. Well, he wrote one big one. <laughs> one big one. <laughs> ended horribly <laughs> yes i know that i know that adage well i think uh this is what those monkeys came up with in about five minutes <laughs> because this is well all this is this is a tv guide summary writer who, who's trying to be a little too clever and uh doesn't understand the job description and honestly okay. should be fired immediately <laughs> <laughs> jamie hires an ex-boyfriend Rick Rosovich to paint the apartment, but Paul finds him lying down on the job and not alone. Uh, what? I'm, what? I'm, huh? What a confusing, stupid. It's like, hey, pal, let the show speak for itself. Don't try and like clever it up. I feel like I'm shoehorning this in, but maybe this is just the way my mind tracks nowadays. It sounds like this was written or at least punched up by Donald Trump, where it's just like, you've got something, you, and it's just like, and he just adds a little bit more, and he's like, uh, say a not alone, put a not alone at the end, yeah, yeah, that's because because he's not, he's not alone, very important, very important not alone. This is resonating with something in your brain that I think only you will fully understand, but I could be wrong, <laughs> I don't follow this at all. <laughs> Uh, but, you know what? I'll take it. I'm, I'll, uh, I'll live with that. If anyone out there uh, who's listening does, though, tweet at me and I'll let Russ know. <laughs> President Trump, if you did punch this up, tweet at us. Ugh. Let us know. I would love to get retweeted by him. <laughs> It'd be pretty good. So, But yeah, you know what I mean? So everyone knows what the show's about, kind of. It's a little confusing. It is. It sounds it, like they, they got they, a lazy painter who snuck in an assistant or something. <laughs> yeah. And also, also, why? I mean, I mean, look, I know that the name or I know that character actor from his other stuff. Does he deserve yeah, a name no, drop? I, know. I don't know. I, I, he's got a hell of an agent, I guess. It was like, yeah, you got to put his name, name in the caption. Rick Rosovich. Oh, yeah. Who's reading that and being like, oh, Rick Rosovich is in this. Man, what if getting Rick rolled meant being sent a link and it being this scene of Slider from Top Gun? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the other thing. <laughs> so Russ, what was uh, what was on TV that night and or week? Well, or whatever. Well, well, well. Whatever you do. <laughs> it was another week of fun special stuff, but not a lot of things that were able to be super reviewed. That being said, on TV, NBC. 8 p.m. was all-star TV bloopers and practical jokes. <laughs> oh, brother. That Did you some... watch this? No, but that is some crap TV if I ever heard. Is it good? Do you know anything about it? No, but you guys can't see Russ's face. It, oh, it looks like I insulted his family. I... <laughs> I TV's bloopers and practical jokes was a special and it was hosted by Dick Clark and Ed McMahon. Oh, wow. And <laughs> they would exciting. they would they would air. They were and was, Gary Marshall and Rip Van Winkle. Yeah. I mean, before look, waking is, up. Yeah. <laughs> it is the oldest, whitest comedy you can imagine. 
but it's proto blooper reels, like for DVDs and oh, stuff. Oh, are you see? Oh, it's outtakes from from TV shows. Yes. Oh, yes. I said so corrected. So this is before, and this is in the early '90s. So this is before you were ever able to see anything like this. Yes. So well, I remember so like, when um, Home Improvement started doing it at the end of their show, and it was the most yeah, exciting, exhilarating, absolutely. like one and minute just, of TV. Yeah, and they just took it from TV everywhere, like all all sorts of. Not, you I'm think sorry, there were any mad about like Euclid? Globally, there was. I found. <gasps> one. Oh, Russ. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> you sound so delighted. Yeah, the the quality of the video is not great. But yeah, it's Paul sitting with Jamie and Ira and Paul is trying to remember a line and they get the giggles. Paul can't remember and he and Helen Hunt just take after take and after every take like an animated slate comes out with the number, you know, take one. Sure, sure. Take two. Sure. Take three. Sure. And they're just breaking again and again. Uh, and to see that back in the day, sure, it was awesome. And also, I was saying, I said to Jen, I never knew when it was going to be on until it was on. And you'd like watch something at seven o'clock, and then right. at the end of it, it would be like, up next, TV's bloopers and practical jokes. And it was the best thing. And it also felt like it went on forever because sure. every clip was only like a minute and a half, two minutes long. Yeah. And then they went to another one. So it felt like it was... You know, your entire night was spent laughing at a little bit of every show of them screwing up, which you've I mean, never seen that before. That sounds great. It was so fun. We'll have to share that link. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was just such a such a treat. Are there pranks unrelated to TV? Yeah, well, it, sometimes they would do like they would prank people. Not not unrelated. It wasn't like punk. Oh, like on set like, they would prank yes, each other. I see. Yes, and also, gosh. So I watched a few other. Things from TV's bloopers and practical jokes. I'm not surprised. Right. <laughs> and that led me to just watching. Oh, no. You want you want to have a nice day? Uh -huh. Watch watch YouTube clips of game show bloopers. Oh, I bet that's fun. Holy cow. It is the best. Just people who can't spell mosquitoes, you know? Oh, <laughs> that <get> is funny. <laughs> over and over again. Sure. Or, you know, the, the host slips up and says the wrong word and breaks. There was a game where they say, you know, Dick Clark is like, okay, so you have to, in this game, you have to say where this, you know, guess where this license plate is from. We're going to show you a picture of a license plate. You need to name the state. And then they reveal slowly the license plate. And at the bottom of the license plate, it says New Mexico. And, just... <laughs> and he's just like, oh, looks like we gave you the answer there. Uh, there and there is something about the way uh, broadcasters specifically, I think, break. That's really funny yes. to me. There's something about yes. an old white guy in a sport coat doubling over. Falling down on the ground. Yeah. Just. It, even hysterical. that, somehow it's graceful still to me. Yeah, yeah. Like it's they like had, if um, you go to broadcasting school, they teach you how to fall over laughing <laughs> and not upset your perfectly done hair. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong at all. You know all. what it's, I mean? It's, yeah, for sure. Somehow it's a them laughing is iconic usually. <laughs> it's uh, I can't remember what the question was. Dick Clark asked Tony Randall on some show. Oh, Just like, Russ, so you are speaking my language. 
Yeah, he's just like, so what's something that you're not able to say in general when you're dealing with these uh, fans? He says something like that is what Dick asks Tony. Sure. And Tony just goes, well, you can't say shit. <laughs> and, and then they, uh, they cut back to Dick Clark and he's laying on the floor. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then watching all of that took me to Hollywood Squares. And once you get done watching bloopers from game shows, just watch as much of Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares as you can. Paul it is Lind. the funniest. Like, I can't believe how funny that is. He is so funny. Uh, you want to treat show. yourself. Listen to uh, Gilbert Gladfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast uh, tribute to Paul Lind. Oh, where yeah? Where it gets derailed about one minute in, and they just <laughs> destroy his, his, his uh, persona by discussing all of his huge history of anti-Semitic remarks. Oh, no! <laughs> Oh, no, it's you so funny. This. Uh, <laughs> this co-host has to keep being like, this was a tribute. <laughs> There's not even that many, but, you know, Gilbert cannot stop bringing it up. It's so f- I can't even say it on the show because uh, we are not mature rated. That is true. Oh, gosh, that's so funny. After you get done listening to Gilbert Gottfried out Paul Lind as an anti-Semite, listen to the Dead Authors podcast where Paul F. Tompkins is in character as H.G. Wells interviewing dead authors and he interviews ben schwartz who is portraying Roald Dahl. and at the end of the episode they field questions from just random people through twitter and somebody asks what about the anti-semitism what's up with that and ben schwartz doesn't know that Roald Dahl is a noted anti-semite and you get to hear his world and his hero fall before his eyes oh that sounds very satisfying it's really great. Sure. So check that out. <laughs> yeah, that was what was on television and mostly on YouTube now. Beautiful. <laughs> Sounds like you what had a news? fun 17 hours there, Russ. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I try to keep it tight. <laughs> Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Private school's computer network is changing student life. May 9th, 1993. It's about a private school in New York mm-hmm. that has email. No. And already, this is 1993. It says kids are already asking each other out to prom on it. Sure. That's how long it took. <laughs> no it, time. It took no time for people to use it to start, like, getting dates. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. The, like, one of the first things they probably said was just like, oh, great. Wow. I can email you these words. That's fantastic. Oh, if only where there was a way for me to send you a picture of my penis. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. Oh, here's a great quote from a sophomore named Dennis. Before email, a lot of kids didn't care about computers at all, but now everyone's into it. Interest probably won't stay that high, but even if it doesn't, just the fact that it got people interested is a good thing. <laughs> what a dumb dork. I like that he's just excited about the concept of people being interested in anything. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, he must have been so jaded by his peers. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, oh, you know, they may not be interested forever, but they're interested now. And I like that people like things. As Good. A, as elated as school officials are about the computer network, it has brought some problems with it. Uh, there are concerns about security, confidentiality, blah, 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 blah. This is where it gets great. Electronic mail correspondence between students has also at times lapsed into, quote, adolescent language. As one school official described it, one such message with obscene language was accidentally directed to the faculty mailing list. Quote, a lot of elderly secretaries almost had cardiac arrest, <laughs> said <Uh-oh>. Susan James. <laughs> but for the most part, school officials pass off such antics as youthful exuberance. Well, good for them. Yeah, what a measured response. <laughs> Versus having a heart attack. 
yeah, somewhere in between, I'm sure. There's got to be some gray area. Well, I feel like if one of these secretaries read this article, they'd call Susan James and be like, uh, excuse me. I didn't almost. Hey, Susan, <laughs> hyperbolic much? <laughs> Dateline, this is a big story. Go ahead. May 15, 1993. Calling the Bronx. It's 718 tomorrow. The, <gasps> the Bronx joins the 718 area code this Sunday oh after God. a transition period that began July 1, 92. John, that was an honest-to-God gasp. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can you believe this? To my core. It's wow. so specific. It says, so back in July 1, 1992, way before Mad About You even premiered. <laughs> if we can conceive if you can, of such Yeah, time. go back in time that far. <laughs> They introduced the 718, but they kept 212 functional. And beginning at 12.01 a.m. Sunday, so just a couple hours after this Mad About You wears, 718 will be the only one you can use. Holy cow. So get those 212 calls in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Make your last last calls. (laughs) Call your mother. Tell her how much you love her on a 212. It would have been satisfying to make a 212 call at uh, 11, like 55 and kept it going. Forever? Until now. Just forever. (laughs) Yeah. There's one open line that's been sitting there for 30 years. (laughs) You can't take it. You can't take my 212. You go to hell, 718. I mean, that would essentially be two cans tied together with string. (laughs) Like, I wonder if the government would get involved. Russ, the government is always involved. (laughs) You're not wrong. That's true. Always. (laughs) Always. Dayline. Go ahead. Stranger is stabbed, saving a woman's life. A woman with her two-year-old toddler, a mugger with a Rambo knife, a college student who never imagined himself a hero. They Walk met... into a bar. Yeah, I mean, almost. Walk into a subway station. They met mm-hmm. on the stairs of an East Side subway Wednesday night in one of those larger-than-life dramas that makes New York what often is sinister, dangerous, yet chivalrous, even valiant. Basically, huh. this woman had three gold chains around her neck, walked into the 57th and uh, Lex subway stop, okay. which back then, you know, it was, it's, you know, IRT, BM, yeah. whatever. And uh, this guy ripped him off her neck. This was at 9 p.m. Yeah, the IRT, BMT station. The mugger rips them off her neck. She says, I was walking down when he and he was walking up when he snatched the gold chains off my neck. And she said she'd already been mugged three times on the subway. And quote, I finally got angry. Oh, my gosh. She said, I turned around and jumped on his back from behind with my arms around his neck. And I grabbed two of the chains back. That's when he pulled the knife with a large serrated edge. She said it was five to seven inches long. She said, I knocked the knife out of his hands. Can you believe this? I'm wrapped. Right? Wrapped attention. Then she said, suddenly, a man out of nowhere came down the stairs and helped me. As the three struggled on the stairway and her son stood by and watched, Mrs. Queerly said, the mugger kept reaching for the knife and finally got it. He started stabbing the man who was helping me, she said. Those stabs twice in the back, once in the arm, and once in the leg, he continued to fight. Four stabs in, and the man kept fighting, Miss Queeley said. It was the last stab that got him. Oh, no. John, I haven't gasped like that. Can you believe this? I heard that there was a 718 area code. (laughs) So that's how you know this is a very serious and dramatic story. As he rolled down to the platform and the mugger fled up the stairs, a crowd of people watched on a mezzanine. (laughs) Sure they did. Yeah, what entertainment. At least they didn't tape it on their phones. And she she screamed, call the police, call an ambulance. Everybody just watched him go by, she said of the mugger. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, the guy, uh, they took him to the hospital. He recovered uh-huh. fully. 
and oh, uh, was a very classic, humble hero. Said anyone would have done the same thing. I wouldn't. Except the crowd outside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you know anyone would have. By the way, no one did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, Pelt, you are a hero. Yeah. Isn't that a we wild applaud story? You. Do we have a name for this guy? <laughs> Let's reach out. Let's get let's get him on the podcast. You know what? That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see it. Anymore. What if we what if we use this podcast for actual good? Oh, Chris Fetterolf, who was twenty four. So it's uh what, okay. twenty five years later, so he'd be forty nine. Yeah, so he's like he's like, yeah, forty nine, fifty years old. Yeah. Hey. He, he this is not a bad idea. Now let's see if we can get him on the horn. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, guys, Russ is excited. This might happen. Okay. Hi, Chris. Do uh, it, we John. have a podcast that's not even remotely related to uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, do you remember the traumatic moment in which you got stabbed four times trying to help someone? Would you like to talk about it again 25 years later? Also, what do you know about a squad made of hats? <laughs> Anything? <laughs> Dateline. This one's crazy, too. Screw the Dateline. We did enough of them. No this, more Datelines. Okay, a 16-year-old <laughs> kid somehow talked his way onto the conductor car of the A-train. and what? And drove it. <laughs> 47 miles um, a man posing as a subway motorman took an A-train carrying hundreds of passengers on a 47 mile trip through the city Saturday until he finally tripped an emergency brake because he was speeding it took like two and a half hours for him to mess up can you believe that he took command of the train at 358 at 207th street in Inwood where the A-train terminates and that's where the train is assembled and crews are assigned. An official said the man talked his way in by using the real name and ID of an off-duty motorman. The train made 85 stops through Manhattan, <laughs> Brooklyn, Queens, and back. It was on time at the Leopards Boulevard station. Whoever he, <laughs> he is. He did a good job. <laughs> he did a real good job. Yeah. Whoever he and is. This, uh, th was this Kramer? This sounds like Kramer taking over the bus. It's amazing. You made all the stops? Well, they kept ringing the bell. He didn't speed until he was coming all the way back up to uh, 207th and uh, at 168th Street. He broke the 20 mile an hour speed limit and tripped an automatic control that uh, stops the train. So then in another article the next day, I find out that this guy was 16 years old. <laughs> How old? 16. One six. Yeah, one six. Holy cow. Isn't that something? And he can't drive a car. He's conducting a train. Yeah. I mean, yes. Is there a small possibility I'm somehow misreading this because it's two different no. articles and they're no. a little confusing because one's a letter from like an editor? But no, I think this checks out. I think a 16 year old talked his way into the train conductor station and then uh, did a very good job running this at the MTA for a day. Was it Frank Abagnale Jr. from <laughs> Catch Me If You Can? Yes, you're right. It is just like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yes, it was. At the very least. <laughs> yeah, he, he boarded the train with 17 models. Yeah. Did, <laughs> did you forget to mention that it was Academy Award winning actor Leonardo DiCaprio? I, I did. Yeah. I, well, I didn't think it was relevant. I didn't forget. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, this he came was, up. Yeah, he a, wasn't famous yet, right? <laughs> this came up in the article because they were talking about people who, who had done different uh, feats, public feats. Russ, okay. do you remember a man parachuting in the Shea Stadium? Oh, no, you were too young, yes. maybe. Yes. No, yes, I do. During the 86 World Series? Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Sergio. At the beginning of game six, yeah. Yeah. Which then, that, that famous, famous game where the Mets came back. Oh, yeah, it was game it six? Started, yeah, it started with him parachuting into Shea Stadium with a, go, with a huge Go Mets banner. Yeah, totally unauthorized. Yeah, and then the cops just, like, escorted him down into the dugout and, like... Oh. 
and he Ron got the meet Darling oh and other gosh. Mets are like high fiving him and like yeah, are like high fiving and patting him on the back on his way to jail. Oh, that is so worth it. And it's yeah, it's just like it. I mean, look, we're talking about him now. He's this is the guy. This is the guy we should get. We should. Oh, I'd love to get him next. Yeah, Russ. We should. Have, we should. We should have this guy talk to the guy who uh, got stabbed all those times. Yeah, we should. And set we could them just up sit and, and ha- start a podcast for them. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. We're making connections. We're bringing people together. Yeah, we could start launch a whole podcast network called "None of This Is Related to Anything." <laughs> anything else? Period. None of this. <laughs> Dateline. <laughs> Factory raid, nets, 45 arrests, and a million t-shirts. Holy cow. As part of a drive against illegal street bending, the Dinkins administration announced yesterday the police had arrested 45 people and seized more than a million imitation designer t-shirts from manufacturing operations housed in a Manha- in one building, in one Manhattan building at 27th and Broadway. A million counterfeit t-shirts. Holy cow. Yeah, you know what? I'm near 27th and Broadway every day. I know that neighborhood. Oh, that, that is that exactly is... where I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. that is 100% Even counterfeit today. t-shirt. Yeah, now yeah. it's probably a million bottles of fake perfume. <laughs> a or million iPhone fidget cases. spinners, am I right? Yeah. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's uh, so that story is just one that impressed me by the sheer volume. I like it. It's boring to read. I don't even bother. Okay, <laughs> that's all the news that spits prints. <laughs> oh, great, great work, John. Hey, I I just report it, Russ. I just read it. Yeah, I don't make the news. I just report it. <laughs> what a service you provide. <laughs> we both do. Yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, here I am saying, oh yeah, you do great. Uh, let's talk more about television's practical jokes, please. <laughs> oh so yeah wait speaking i had one note jen did a yes, little work please. on her on her end i did a little work on mine and uh, you know how we're always looking for odd couple mad about you connections <laughs> yep always <laughs> well i was uh bopping around ibdb yesterday uh IBDB. don't know why internet broadway database and uh mm-hmm. so it turns out paul dooley aka mr stemple was the original speed from the odd couple and the understudy really? of Felix Unger. And guess who understudied Oscar Madison? Paul Lind? Mr. Buckman Sr., Louis Zurich. Get out. Yeah. I love it. Isn't that something? That's great. So Paul, the, the in-laws understudied the leads of the original odd couple. That's crazy. Yeah. I love the odd couple. Oh, me too. We're the in, only two in, left. In all of its forms. Yeah. We're going to carry that torch for the next 40 years, and then it'll be fully extinguished, I think. All of its forms except for the female version. They ruined my childhood. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> So, yes, onward, upward, we the got painter. A, yeah, we got a, uh, a an old BK at the helm. Welcome back, Burger King. Welcome back, Burger King. It was written by Danny Jacobson and Jeffrey Lane. We haven't said his actual name is Barnett Kelman yet. Oh, they know. <laughs> I'm sure they do, but I'm just like, Rust. we skipped right to BK the Burger King. <laughs> without being, if this is the only episode anybody listens to, one day we're going to get to talk to this guy and we're just going to be like, listen to whatever. And he'll just be like, hey, I di- hey, I directed that. <laughs> what are they talking about Burger King for? <laughs> Anyone who knows anything about show business knows the part of Kelman goes by the Burger King. 
And if you don't know, you should be embarrassed. (laughs) It was written by uh, Danny Jacobson and Jeffrey Lane. And uh, you know Jeffrey Lane, of course. Two of your favorite episodes and mine. I'm sure. I don't know which ones, but... Sunday Times and Writing Backwards. Great. Yeah. Great. Welcome back. This is one hell of an episode, John. Yeah, Russ, you seem to really like it. You were texting me some pretty excited texts. I liked it, but yeah, it was... This one brought it. This one brought the heat. So I didn't remember it at all. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I'll tell you what. I'll never forget it. Me neither. Well, yeah, probably not. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, it's funny. You know, we just kind of joked a little bit, but I was thinking about how, you know, there are so many episodes of the show that I either didn't see or I don't remember. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, breaking it down like this, you think, oh, well, you'll remember them now. We're not going to. We're not going to remember these episodes in a couple of months, even Uh, though uh, we... Yeah. But if we look at... If we heard about it, it would all come back, I think. You're you're probably right. Yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, that being said, the concept of this being like, you're going to remember this one. It's just like, yeah, I think I am. Right. No, we're not lawyers. This isn't like case study, but... (laughs) Right. So, so cold we, open. Yeah, we start in the kitchen. Very good place to start. Paul comes <laughs> into the kitchen, and uh, Jamie, it looks like she's clearing the walls. She's getting all the stuff down from the shelves yes. and everything. And yes, we, yes. we learned that she's hired a painter, yep. and they were they were going to do that, I guess, when they moved in, probably. They were going to paint it yeah. together. They said months ago they were going to paint it together, yeah. and then they decided to... And then Jamie's taking it she into decided. her own hands. Yeah, as she does. And, yeah, and hiring somebody else. Uh, and who's the painter? What's his name? He's and, in the- uh, Old says, friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got a great name. Well, I hired a painter. Oh, yeah? How much? Cheap. He's an old friend. I ran into him on the subway. Who's that? Sherman. Williams? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got Sherman Williams to paint our apartment? You're thinking of Sherwin Williams. Sure. Well, it's close enough. I'm very encouraged. Sherman Williams. <laughs> I think you're confusing him with Sherwin Williams. I mean, that's pretty funny. So I love when they make a real dumb joke. And what I love about this dumb joke is they have to do it for the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a dumb detail. <laughs> it's going to last 22 minutes and it's great. I love the idea of it. Be like they pick such funny things to say yes to the idea of it being, yeah. you know, the dumb joke would normally be, you know, his name is Sherwin or yeah, his name is Sherman. Sherman Williams. Right. And then the fact that that's never right. right. That's never the answer to that is never. Yeah. Yeah. But it is here. They find the joke in the fact that he's that hit, screwing that is up Sherman name. versus sure. Sherwin. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an interesting twist on it. So, you know, Jamie's clearing. Paul offers to help. And by help, he means he'll open the bag of potato chips she was holding. Very silly. And uh, then they do a little gag where she needs help moving the fridge and he tells her to use her legs. <laughs> har har. I love it. And then we move into scene one. Scene one, baby. Lisa living room. And Ira are helping to pack in the living room. He hits her in the head with a book. Yeah, he doesn't. Packing. Yeah, but Russ, don't say it like it was incidental. He no. literally throws a book at her head. Yes. Which he, is he so it. He weird. It. Yes, he lobs it. He lobs it at her head and it hits yes. her head. And it's a paperback book. He a paperback book. Yes, I, yeah. It sounds like you are really I am sticking up for reasons. Him. <laughs> but but I have to lay out all these she, details. She was because, asking for it. But <laughs> if you just say he hits her in the head with a book, you're right. That can that can mean a lot. 
Yeah, it sounds like you threw a coffee table like art book. <laughs> yeah, it means With that the first force. scene, the first thing that happens in this comedy is Lisa the two dies. of our beloved characters yeah. try to murder each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, he lobs a light paperback at her head. Yes. And it bounces off her head. And yes. she looks at him annoyed and he just says, your head has a good bounce, which is, I listen, <laughs> it's crazy. I love it because it's crazy. It's great. It's like, who, I love it. It's like the two weirdos of the show having a weird yep. scene. <laughs> I'd like to have that drop in every every week to see the two of them in there doing their own thing. I mean, Russ, we might. Yeah. Because I don't remember. So Fran comes in right after that from the kitchen, like very uh, in real work mode. Right. Like, and she She's, tells them, uh, if you're not here to work, then split. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking this job upon herself. Yeah, like like is, to an insane degree. Yes, she has appointed herself project manager of the Buckman painting. But also, not even to imply that, like, she's not even just managing. Like, she is managing, but she's also, like, like she moves their second couch alone. Yeah. With her whole body, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She's in overdrive. She is. She's got stuff. She's got stuff on her yeah, mind, I'll it's bet. It's a great expression of what is to come. Yes. Foreshadowing, they call that. Yes, it is some <laughs> great foreshadowing. Ryan is in Florida with her parents, we learn. Yeah, what is I, I didn't write that. it down. What Paul says is he's like, I feel bad for both of them or something, right? Yeah, something oh, like said, that. Oh, so no one's fun, happy. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you who was happy. Us, the audience. Loving it. Because Ryan yeah, is too gosh, much. What if Ryan had been there? What if Ryan yeah. had been there? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what a, you know what if we've got to look if somebody you know we were going to talk about if ira kills lisa earlier in this episode if somebody in the show has to die gosh i hope it's ryan oh absolutely i hope he gets hit by a school bus maybe yeah he's down in he's down in florida visiting her parents and then there's a horrible like he gets hit by hurricane andrew and their condo collapses wow russ and nobody made it out okay wow what happened <laughs> well, what's, what what's going on that's a, that's a big one. That's a, <laughs> that went far. I was in Florida for Hurricane Andrew. It was Russia's, a real bummer. Oh, wow. Memories. Yeah, yeah. I flew down to visit my grandparents the day before, and mm-hmm. uh, we got there, and they were like, by the way, the worst hurricane in history is coming tomorrow. And all we did I was watch. what? Yeah. No, all we did was watch, watch. Uh, Home Shopping because Home Shopping <laughs> Network was new. They only had it down there. They did not have it up by us. And I was supposed oh to be able to gosh. go. The mall, the Sawgrass Mall down in Fort Lauderdale was supposed to have some special Nickelodeon live show that I was so excited oh, to go sure. to. It was the best. And then they were just like, no, we're not going to go because... It's a death trap out there. And I was so devastated. Of course. Like, so sad about also, it. No also, no kid from Long like, Island's not not going to the check out the malls in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. that was, yeah, that's the first place I ever found out about, like, you know, people walking the malls. Oh, the morning. Mall? that that wasn't happening in Long Island. No. No. I would have thought we even more so because it's so cool. We don't have old people up there. Are you? Is that no. true? Are oh, you joking? I mean, no, I mean, I'm joking about not having old people up there. Well, because they all but, moved uh, to Florida. Exactly. Which right. is why they do wall mocking down there. I see. Yes, that makes sense. I'm not sure if I just said wall mocking, but I like it. <laughs> I'm not sure if I just heard that and agreed. <laughs> Anyway, so, um, oh, Fran's giving Jamie advice about uh, instructions that she should give the painter. And Jamie's right. like, no need. He's great. Trust me. Which, in other words, she's familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. You've used him before? Yes. And he's good? Yes. 
Are we talking about painting? No. Oh, well, this is, this is very interesting. What? This is suddenly very interesting. I thought he said he was a friend. We went out for a month in 1985. What, is this gonna bother you? Ah, well... Well, how did it end? He dumped her. He didn't dump me. She's still going out with him? So they went out for a month in 1985. Right. That was a long time ago. And that was a very short time. That's true. Yes, for sure. Yeah. You'd think that everybody would be well over everything. And I think they are. Well, they are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but but um, it's also like amazing that they even stayed in touch. I don't think they did. They just ran into each other on the subway. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Thank yeah. you. Always keeping me honest, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So Lisa's like, Lisa's convinced that he dumped Jamie. Right. And she says yeah. that's not the case. Oh, gosh. That uh, he just the, broke up with her by saying he'd be destroyed if she left him. So he was going to do it oh, first. The worst. And then of, because it's the worst, Ira says, I used that line once. Yeah. <laughs> He's a monster. Ugh. And then Fran comes out of the bedroom carrying a bicycle <laughs> over her <Yes>. head. <laughs> Yeah, that kitchen bicycle. Yeah, this unused bicycle <laughs> that they were going to take, maybe did take, to New Hampshire or Vermont. Yes, they did. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What are they doing? In the middle of and winter? Oh, like, <laughs> uh, nothing makes sense. <laughs> now, get rid of the bike, guys. You are not a bike people. You Yeah, you guys know you're not going to use it. Right. You know you're not going to use it, you know? I, I wonder uh, if it was a wedding gift. Maybe. One they bicycle. Need do, they need to Marie Kondo this thing and the joy of tidying up and use that and, you know, touch that bike, thank it for its service and send it off because there's no way, there's no way that that bike sparks joy. <laughs> it sparks nothing. I think they forget about it until someone, you know, <laughs> her last name is Kondo. Yes. That's so fitting. Gosh, I think so. <laughs> what if it was like Maria State? <laughs> I was like, why? Why is that strange? It would be so hard to listen oh, to her. Oh, God. <laughs> You'd be like, Marie, what are you so nuts? She'd be nuts. It'd be like, Marie, you have all this space. You don't even have that much stuff. So maybe relax. What do you need to worry about tidying up for? Yeah, easy for you to write a book. <laughs> oh, gosh. Marie McMansion. Um, <laughs> so the door goes off, and it's the painter. <laughs> It's the painter, and played Paul by is Slider from Top Gun. Yes, it is uh, Rick Rossovich. He's he's jacked. He is the most beautiful person who has ever been on this show. Oh, that is 100%. And might ever be on the show. I've seen this actor in other things. As we said, he was Slider in Top Gun. Um, For those who don't was remember that the first Slider... Thing that you think of? Slider was a... Well, no, I had to look it up. But then when I saw okay. when I saw he was in Top Gun and then I looked at what the You Stink scene from Top I was like, oh, of course. Right. Everyone remembers that scene yes. when uh, Slider makes fun of uh, Tom Cruise in the first scene after their first flight, mm -hmm. Crash and Burn yep. Maverick. And he's like, he yep. sniffs him and goes, Slider, you stink. And then he you smells stink. his armpits. <laughs> Everyone remember great. that? Yeah, he plays um, Val Kilmer's yeah. flying partner. Yes, his wingman. So which means I he's also, also in the him. sex. Sorry, Russ, I keep cutting you off. I just it's wanted, okay. to, if anyone's lost, you all know him from the volleyball scene from Top Gun. Yes. As the one you don't recognize immediately <laughs> of the four. Have you ever seen Roxanne? No, but I saw he was in that too. Yeah. He was. Yeah. First of all, Roxanne is great. I think you would love that movie. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't like heightened reality. You know what it is? Yeah, I know. Cyrano de Bergerac. He's got a big nose. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a heightened reality. I mean, it's a heightened reality in that it's Cyrano de Bergerac. Right. And that kind of thing probably wouldn't work. And he also plays a fireman who sniffs out fires literally with his nose. Yeah, see, Russ, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Not so much. But yeah, I might like it, but I'm not going to run to it. Yeah. Slider plays the... I mean, I guess the lead, the guy what? who is in love with Daryl oh, Hannah. Oh, really? Yeah. Who uses Steve Martin. He's the doofy guy oh, who uses wow. Steve Martin's words to woo Daryl Hannah. That's very funny. Yeah. He uh, plays he's a very, very sexy doofus. Yes. He also gets the crap beaten out of him before he's killed in Terminator. For those who don't remember that. I did not remember that. Yeah. So he has the great honor of uh, being killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Congrats. I forget why he even goes there. I mean, why Because I know he's looking for Sarah Connor. I don't know what he's doing in this apartment. He but... probably needs his, uh, He probably does he need his clothes? Does he need no, his, he's uh... already dressed. He's already dressed. Though I also never remember where he gets his clothes from in these movies. Uh, he beats the crap out of a bike. He kills a biker. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Anyway. That's, yeah. Anyway. Oh, also, anyway. he's a Navy SEALs. He's one of the main oh, okay. guys. Yeah. No, th- I, so this guy's basically a badass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he looks like it. Yeah. He looks like a Bruce Springsteen impersonator. You know? Kind of. He's yeah. got the ripped off sleeves with like a weird hybrid sweatshirt. He's got the bandana mm-hmm. around his head. And his sweatshirt says something on the collar that I couldn't, f- I could make out everything but one word. What were the words that you could make out? A something is a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. I, I don't know what the something is, which seems, you know, that's the main thing that we, that's the big mystery. Sweepstakes. Sweep. What is a dirty job, but somebody has to do it? And don't just, According uh, it's to not a sweepstakes, it's creative. Yeah, we want the actual thing. I don't care about any creative answers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is less of sweepstakes more than... Please pause this DVD and tell us, because we don't want to. Yeah, so if anyone's out there trying to be clever, you know, if the, the guy who wrote the TV guide description's out there listening and he wants to do the sweepstakes, don't bother. <laughs> Not for you, pal. There'll be many more. So Sherman comes in, and he's yep. being very, like, cool and normal, and so is Jamie. And uh, mm-hmm. though she's, you know, she, I, I, did you feel like she was uh, touching his chest a little? Like, Probably noticeably a, amount? A, maybe a little. A little. Enough to get Paul a little bit. Uh, jealous. So she's introducing him to everyone. She introduces uh, Sherman to Ira. Mm-hmm. And this is Ira. Ira, this is Sherman. Rambo. <laughs> if they find you here, they will kill you. <laughs> Do you know who the actor that uh, he's impersonating is? I've never seen I Rambo. Think, I think that's a Sly Stallone. But he plays Rambo. And this yes. this line is talking to Rambo. Is it? What What's the line? He says, Rambo, if they find you here, they will kill you. I think he's saying Rambo as uh, it, like, introducing like his say, impression. Hey, Rocky. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I also, I guess I don't know what Rambo sounds like. I'm way more familiar with Rocky. So in order to introduce this concept, <laughs> I have to be like, you know, it'd be like Rambo, except yeah. hey, Rocky. This is my impression <laughs> of Rambo. Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, while he's meeting everyone, uh, so he's, he, as he walked in, he's holding this huge like painter toolbox kind of thing, and Paul offers to take right. it. And it's one of those great bits where it's so heavy that when Paul takes it, he virtually drops it immediately on the floor because it's so it's so big. Which reminds me, very of, uh, funny. Yeah, Jen yelled trope alert, which is fair. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a common bit, but it works. It's executed very well. Yeah, it's very funny. Many I'm tropes are jokes. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a difference between trope alert and joke alert. 
There's too many alarms going off. <laughs> so then uh, he, Jamie introduces him to Lisa. Hi. And this is my sister, Lisa. Oh, Jamie used to always talk about you. I'm better now. <laughs> oh, I'm better now. Which just begs the question, how much worse was she? Gosh. I mean, can you imagine Lisa as a teenager? No, I mean, uh, a handful. A handful. It's a real chicken or the egg sort of thing. Is it? Where you've got a... Well, I'm like, <laughs> no, it's it's probably not. Her parents <laughs> made her this way. Forget everything I said. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, How many times is it where the parents are normal and fine, and then the kid comes along and screws up the parents? That happens zero times. Except in Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, I think, right? Sure. Okay, that happens one time. Because that, the devil that kid was, was a handful. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The first thing the kid did when it was born in that movie is go, hey, sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get these in hell. <laughs> but and they that said would, no. That would really be selling out <laughs> if you're the devil. <laughs> uh, so uh, Sherman asks where to start, and they're like, start in the bedroom. And Lisa, who mm -hmm. seems to be taken by him, yes. offers to show him where the bedroom is. Yeah. I could look like him if I cared to. <laughs> you know, women don't go for that. I think your sister's scaring the painter. Lisa, no! Your sister's scaring the painter. <laughs> Everybody, I mean, these these three adult women are pretty all about Sherman, and they're not very shy about it. Not very what? Which they're not very shy about it. No. Yeah, that is true. Like I um I don't know if I've ever been this expressive about uh well, no, that's not true, because he's such a stud. Yeah. Like it's almost that's... like you can talk about it because it's so insane. But what's weird yeah, is they yes. all they actually have a history, so yes. it's a little more dangerous his, to talk about. His beauty is short circuiting all of their chill. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> also, you know what I realized during uh, Iris' little impression? I was like, I get why. Like, Sophie's a great friend, right? But okay, Ira yeah. is way more bombastic, and that's just more entertaining, I think, for a sitcom. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. Like, Selby's... If you're casting a friend, pick Selby. If you're casting a cast... <laughs> pick Ira. Ah, the next scene. Yeah. We're in the kitchen. Again. Mm-hmm. Paul enters with his gym bag, which is, like, yeah. very funny to me. Very bizarre. It's like, who are you pretending to be today, Paul? <laughs> like, when he was the magic chef. He's very impressed with the job Sherman's done so far. Yeah, and thrilled. Jamie is cooking up such a storm, right? She loves to cook. She loves. I guess. We know. We know this about her. Yeah. She's, yes. She's a notorious chef. She's. It's hard to pry her out of the kitchen. <laughs> when she's not breaking heads at work, <laughs> she's coming home and cooking up a storm. Right. She's the inspiration for that Julia Child movie. <laughs> But it looks, I mean, it looks like they got chicken or tuna salad from Sabars or something because she's got those pint things. Right. She's got a fresh head of lettuce, mm -hmm. some good looking bread, what looks like a block of cheddar cheese on the counter. Like, this is a hell of a sandwich she's making. She's doing it upright for her man. For her on man. The side. That's what it feels like a little, right? <laughs> yeah. After all, Russ, you know, the way to a man's heart. Through the stomach. Through the stomach. <laughs> so Paul mentions he's getting the impression that, that Sherman might feel like Jamie's the one that got away, that he regrets yes. maybe breaking up with her and uh we find out and he's like what's going on in here and she's like oh i'm making a snack for sherman uh-huh what are you making here a snack for sherman a snack for sherman <laughs> a snack for sherman i think i read that in kindergarten it does sound like a kid's book <laughs> a snack for sherman <laughs> a snack for sherman really great 
So he's headed to play racquetball with Ira. Yes. Asks if Jamie wants to join. Jamie says, no, I'm okay. In not so many words. <laughs> yeah. Also, though, of course, even if even if Sherman wasn't there. Right. Who wants to go watch someone play racquetball for an hour? Not Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> part, it, like, that may be partially a uh, an invitation out of politeness. Hey, I'm going to go do this thing with this guy. You want to join? And she's like, no, I'm okay. Fair. Yeah. And yeah, and Jamie wants to know, she says, you don't mind? You don't mind me staying home while you're not here? Paul says, that's why we pay rent, which is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. She seems, um, she, it's almost that, I feel like we've seen this in sitcoms where it's like the spouse wants the other one to get jealous. Yes. Like, they're and like, Paul, why aren't you jealous? Yeah, Paul even calls her out on it or asks. He's like, am I, are you mad at me because I'm not jealous? Am I not getting jealous enough? Right. Uh, and he's not. So Jamie uh, brings, she walks with Paul uh, out of the kitchen with the sandwich to deliver it to Sherman. Right. We used to take long walks in the rain and cry. And these were the good times? <laughs> Tuna on rye? <laughs> if you don't like fish, don't, don't come, come to Nantucket. Nantucket. Oh my God, do you remember that? What is it? Just old times. <laughs> <laughs> I got those. Yes, you guys got everything you need. I'll see you later. Hey, cute little belly button there. I love this back and forth because it's so vague and so specific. Yep. If you don't like fish, don't come to Nantucket. Don't come to Nantucket. <laughs> oh. It's also funny because up until then, we're just like, oh, okay, we don't really have much of an opinion on this guy. As soon as that happens, I'm just like, oh, I hate this person. I'm like, don't you have a bit with Jamie? That is not okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because she also talks about how uh, they like long walks on the rain. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, oh, this guy. I mean, I'm sure you've changed a little, Jamie. Sure. But like this guy's give, gave you something that Paul doesn't. That's true. You know, he's not that kind of romantic. I mean, he is yeah. it, when pushed. But, you know, it sounds like Sherman he's, used I'm, to lead with uh uh, sentimentality. Yes, he's a different kind of romantic. Yeah, and and maybe I'm just pulling in from his Roxanne character, but yeah, he's a doofy guy. This guy, he's got a big heart. He, he he's a big dumb animal. Uh, and, uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Again, it doesn't have to be. Well, look, we we've heard him say five words, and some of them have been, <laughs> "If you don't like rain, listen." I think it just sounds like an innocuous memory. You're judging him so harshly on this. I hate him. Okay, I want. You know I what? I don't like. I don't know him, so I don't care. <laughs> I don't like Sherman. I don't like Slider. <laughs> I want him out of that house. Uh, who are you, Maverick? Who are you, Goose? <laughs> yeah. Hey, John, you stink. <laughs> oh, so Sherman uh, takes a bite of the sandwich and wipes his mouth with his shirt like a real lughead. <laughs> and that uh, pulling his shirt up exposes his abs, which are a tight Crazy. little six pack. <laughs> and there, that's the moment where you can feel Paul starting to get a little insecure. Yes. And what's he say? He's like, nice little... Uh, nice He's thing. exiting, and in one breath, he just goes, hey, cute little belly button there. Yeah. <laughs> So he's exiting to go to Riff. Well, he's exiting to go to Racquetball, which we right. don't see. Thank God. Right. Because <laughs> who, who's interested? And uh, Gosh, you know what I just thought of? I wonder if Racquetball was just a ruse. If they're just like, yeah, we're not going to go to Racquetball. We're, we're lying to ourselves and our spouses about getting in shape. We're just going to go to Riffs. I think that's completely plausible. <laughs> okay. Sports car just went by. <laughs> so we're at Riffs. Uh, Paul's at the pinball machine, which they have. I yep. mean, boy, come to Riffs. We have a breakfast buffet, a pinball machine, mm -hmm. uh, tables. We had tables constantly at weird places. Sadly, we don't have enough electricity to turn the pinball machine on. Are so you that serious? The flippers, 
so that the flippers and the balls function. You noticed but, that? I didn't even know. Oh, wow. But don't worry, because it sounds like it's working all the time. Oh, wow, Russ. You went deep on the pinball machine. That's all Jen. But uh, she brought it to my attention. Wow. And I verified. But yeah, it, it's, it's yeah, the... He's flipping flippers. He's pushing buttons. Sure. There's tilt stuff. There's dialogue about it. You know, how come you tilt it again? Yeah, right. And nothing has happened. Yeah. It is not a functioning machine. But there's uh, sounds, machine. you're saying. There are sounds, yes. I didn't top notice notch, the sounds. Top-notch Foley work once again. Oh, I well, I mean, to be fair, I didn't even notice it, though. So, you know. Sure. So how good could it be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if there's one thing I hear, it sounds. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I want a pinball machine, I want to hear a pinball machine. <laughs> So Ira it should dominate my life. <laughs> Paul's playing pinball and Ira is holding a big bag of ice on his head. Yep. And I thought it was maybe because a ball hit him in the head because it's racquetball, but we find out that Paul oh. actually hit him in the head with his racket. <laughs> Thank you. It's really funny. Okay. He mentions a blue ball somewhere in there, I think, doesn't he? Yes. He says how I don't understand how you could mistake my head for a tiny blue ball. I forgot about racquetball. Oh, you forgot, forgot they were blue balls. I forgot that they were going to play racquetball. I thought, okay, we're at riffs. I forgot that his motivation was to go and play racquetball. So then enter Ira with ice on his head talking about, I don't know how you would think, blah, 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 blue ball. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Hey, Russ, they... did you pause the show and go to sleep for a week and then resume it? <laughs> hey, look, I, I know that one of us caught the pinball machine, okay? <laughs> that is true. Hey, did anyone else get lost between the last scene and this scene? <laughs> well, you know what happened was they. St I saw that there was a pinball machine, so I stopped playing. I stopped watching it. I went. I played 36 hours of pinball at uh, <laughs> out in New Jersey. I went to the Silver Ball Museum and uh, came back. That feels like a very specific real reference. It is. Silver Ball Museum. And, uh, 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 oh, why can't I think of? Who cares? Uh, Asbury Park. Up. Asbury Park. Oh, Museum. fun. Oh, I've heard yep. about that place, actually. It's the uh, museum. So, Jamie, where am I? I got lost. Ira, oh, Ira is there. Yeah, right. Ice on his head. They are talking about the painter and yeah, Paul's like, jealousy Paul... versus not. Yeah, Ira calls Paul out for being, like, out of it. Right. Like, something's bugging him. Yes. Crazy, man. I'll tell you, what's your problem? No problem. I don't know. You got a problem. I got no problem. What is it? The good-looking painter guy? He's not that good-looking. Come on, he's a statue with pants. Look, if you lose her, you lose her. It's no reason to beat up on your cousin. Who said anything about losing her? Come on, I know you are, right? This great-looking guy who used to bounce your wife. He's up in the apartment with her. You're thinking all kinds of stupid things. Why do you gotta say bounce? There's no other verb you could use. I'm just trying to create a picture here, that's all. And I told Springsteen, tough, I am not making a demo. I love how he just guessed, he knows exactly what it is immediately. Right. He calls him a statue with pants. <laughs> a good line. I mean, this whole run that he does is so great because it just keeps getting worse. I mean, it is such a great little like triptych of things. If you lose her, you lose her. Some guy who used to bounce your wife <laughs> and then he hits on that woman that walks by immediately. It is a great encapsulation of the most disgusting character I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it's the same muscle that led them to doing such great little like mini monologues for Lisa when the show started. I wonder if the reason they like, I don't remember Selby being this gross to you. No, he's not. I wonder if they got if they got a writer who was just like, I want to write for somebody who could say something like he used to bounce your wife. Yeah. Andrew and Dice Selby's Clay not it. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, gosh, 
That's the grossest phrase I've ever heard. I mean, it's uh, so funny. And he and said it so when, casually. Yeah, and when Paul calls him out on it, I'm just like, thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think this is... I don't know if this is true. I, I feel like it might be, though. I feel like Paul's accent gets a little more New York-y when he's around Ira. Probably. And I love that. Because I think it's yeah, unintentional. Probably. It might be, yeah. It just happens. You know, he's... Cause John Pankow lays it on pretty thick. Oh, indeed. I don't know where he's from, but I know where he sounds like he's from. <laughs> so Ira tells Paul that, oh, he does it again. It's a little different. He does it. But... Uh, it we, we normally have to wait until the end yeah. of the episode. Jamie's a gem. <laughs> <laughs> we also learned that Paul has two exes named Debbie. Yep. So I did a little digging. <laughs> oh, you did, did you? I guesstimated ex-girlfriends might have been born around 1963. Okay. Debbie was the 13th most popular name that year. Well, I'll be. Yeah. So it checks out, Russ, is what I'm saying. Great work. Guess what the top three were? In 1963? Uh-huh. Elizabeth? No. <laughs> Jane? No. Uh, Madison? No. no. Kensley? Madison. I don't know where you're getting some of these from. They're very impressive polls, but all <laughs> obviously very wrong. The most plain Jane, that's not a hint, names you could imagine. Okay, this isn't fun for anyone. Lisa, Mary, Susan. Let's move on. <laughs> and by anyone, I mean me. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. Because the answer's it's not okay. even interesting. Who cares? Who cares I'll tell what the popular name was? I do, you know, I don't care that I know the answers. I'm still going to guess. <laughs> Vanessa. <laughs> Lucy? I'll get there. No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what was the last one? Was it Lucy? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so scene four, they're back at the apartment later. And uh, so it's right after Riz. Well, he is. Yeah. Paul comes back. Paul comes home. Yeah. And he's holding his gym bag. And the second he walks in, he hears moaning. And there it's, are the sounds of yeah. love coming from his bedroom. What a... F th 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 this Foley is very impressive. Yeah. This... <laughs> I love the way we... I love the way we keep misusing Foley. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Any sound that emanates from anyone that's not definitely dialogue. It must be a Foley artist. What do you think he used to create yeah. the sounds of sex? An orange rolling a down a long plane, a long inclined plane. <laughs> it's, a, it's a man slapping his hands against soaked wood. <laughs> of a... It's two roller skates running over a wet fish. <laughs> oh god but i think in this case just two people pretending they're having sex <laughs> <laughs> oh i think you're probably right which is uh, of course every, i mean paul's worst nightmare in this situation yes and uh the bedroom door is locked mm -hmm. so he's really going through it in this moment and he kicks into like gear and he kicks yeah. the door down i could not believe it. it was so impressive where it, was this strength and this fear when he was in the bathroom. I know. Well, he, he it, it's the adrenaline of uh, maybe complete, total, absolute betrayal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, yeah. he finds Sherman in bed, shirtless, no woman in sight, which is yep. even more terrifying. Be it is. Because it's like he still doesn't know if it's Jamie, who the guy's with. Right. And uh, then we get the reveal. It's Fran. It's Fran. What the hell is going on? I'm on my break. <laughs> James? She's not here. Fran. Thank God. <laughs> He's bumping Sh Fran. Sure. 
<laughs> Sherman bounced Fran. Bounced, not bumped. <laughs> oh, brother. Who are you going to bounce if you're talking about bumping Yeah, I can't, I can't even get the slang right. <laughs> I love this moment, though, because you get Paul being relieved and yeah. shocked and upset. At the same time. Yeah. Fran, thank God. Yeah. Because nobody wants to witness anyone's infidelity. You know, like, no. that's so great because it's like the difference between the biggest moment and a big moment. Jen and I just were shocked. Jen and I yelled, oh, when this happened. Oh, you wait. Whoa, hold on, Russ. The fact that- Both the of fact you was, yelled, oh? We were both just like, oh, yes. Did we the were, cops we come? My gosh. <laughs> we opened the windows <laughs> and as loud as we could, we yelled the letter O. <laughs> Yeah, this was a Sesame Street lesson. <laughs> and then across the street, somebody else yelled, A. <laughs> Two neighbors were walking a dog. The dog yelled, you. Yeah, this is the episode and, that Robert uh, Altman directed of uh, Sesame yeah, Street. Yeah, this is how we all learned our vowels. So do you think, here's my question, and this is a question for uh, the old Burger King himself. Okay. Do you think they- I'll answer on his behalf. <laughs> Do you think they snuck Fran into the bed so that it was a, a revealed to the audience? Or do you think the audience knew? Oh, interesting. I think they knew because I feel like they're yes. otherwise they would they would have said O, right? Uh, the, every, everybody would be saying the letter O. Yeah. For sure. They they knew. Which makes or me they, wish they had snuck her in because yeah. boy, would have that that would have been great. Yeah, it would it would have been good. They should, what have they spent they spent their entire budget on just a way like, okay, we've got a bed with a false bottom. <laughs> We're going to wheel you in on a dolly yeah, covered this, by a right, sheet. This is the whole week. Okay, we need six doubles. We need six <laughs> people who could double as Lila Kenzel. <laughs> Leela, Leela, excuse me. That's that shibboleth. There's <laughs> Lila versus Leela. It is. I uh, I resigned from the podcast. And the, Yeah, and the the real Leela knows it's Leela, and the other is a Nazi. So oh, right. Very good. You know, if there's one thing I can say about Rise, it's that he's real good at pinpointing the shibboleth in any situation. <laughs> That's why they call me Mr. Shibboleth. <laughs> uh, that's right, Mr. Shibboleth. <laughs> hey, hey now. Oh, uh, scene five. <laughs> the bedroom door later. Yeah. Paul is fixing the door now, which also it's like, yep. who are you, Paul? Like you're doing handyman work now. Yeah, it doesn't work out too well. Obviously, though, he's trying to cover up what happens, which right. is Menchie. Sure. So again, though, we get that great moment where he like he glues the wood back or whatever. He thinks it's settled. He stands up and immediately the wood falls off the door. Again. Right. Right. So then Jamie comes in mm -hmm. and she bought Paul the shirt they saw at Macy's. Very sweet. I got you that shirt we saw at Macy's. Oh, oh, Macy's. Oh, boy. I love Macy's. Oh, this is a great store, isn't it? It's, a, it's, a, it's just it's like a big, it's a big Macy's store. You know what I mean? It's just, when I was, I don't talk to this. Friend of my parents, when I was a kid, friend of ours used to work in Macy's. He sold belts downstairs. He sold belts to the people that came into Macy's. He'd just sell the belts. He's, he's dead now. This Macy's riff is very funny to me. I liked it. Ugh, I love watching Paul stall. <laughs> a stalling Paul is very funny. A classic Paul stall. A friend of his parents used to work at Macy's and sell belts to people who walked in. He's dead now. I'm sorry. Thank you. He's dead now. <laughs> it all feels so real. Yeah. Before that, sad. he was in the garment center. They ran him out of business. <laughs> so then... Um... Paul goes into, uh, he starts protecting Fran. Yeah. Which he doesn't have to do. No. 
Yeah. He blames the door on Sherman. Jamie notices the door, of course. And yep. Paul's like, oh, Sherman must uh, yeah. mess that up. And then Jamie's like, yeah. well, where is Sherman? And Paul's yeah. like, oh, you know, gone. He's sort of gone. Yeah, sort of gone. Uh, is and, he coming back? Yeah. Sort of no. Right. And then Jamie starts to put some pieces together and thinks she knows exactly what happened. <laughs> you had a fight, didn't you? No. Oh, my God, you had a jealous fight and he threw you through the door. Are you all right? <laughs> now, why do you assume he would throw me through the door? Why wouldn't I throw him through the door? <laughs> Physics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, physics. Everybody likes that joke. Ugh. It's really funny. And she's not wrong. But no? boy, ooh, if she would have seen him kick that door in, oh, it would have been real. Forget it. Oh, baby. That would have been it. that would have been the rest of the episode. That Foley guy would have been working overtime. <laughs> he would have gotten all sorts of oranges <laughs> and all sorts of wet wood. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the doorbell goes off and it's Fran dressed like she's going to a funeral, like an all black and wearing sunglasses. Sunglasses, a black shawl on her head. Yeah, like she's sitting shiver or something. Yeah. So Jamie invites her in. Yep. Come in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be welcome here. You are being so good about this. About what? Didn't Paul tell you? Tell me what? Oh, nothing. Never mind. No, 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 no. Come here. Hi. Really a gentleman. Yeah, well, you know. You guys, what is going on? Nothing. I slept with Sherman. And that. <laughs> you and Sherman? I don't believe it. Yes. My Sherman? Excuse me? I mean, you know, my painter? Great save. And this is where we learn that, like, well, we already knew, I guess, but this is where Fran learns that Paul didn't yes. say anything. Also, She's I love very the, appreciative. The great save. <laughs> Uh, when Jamie corrects yeah. herself and she's like, I mean, my painter. R yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Great save. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. That's, I had forgotten about that bit. But yes, Paul giving her the worst encouragement for her slip of the tongue. Really funny. The acting in this scene to me is insane. The whole episode, John. Because you can feel, like in this scene, you can feel the like weird shared intimacy between Paul and Fran. Yep. You know, the fact that like he saw her basically almost like doing it. Yep. And they now have a secret, well, not a secret they anymore, do. I guess, but like, well, but yeah, like Jamie hasn't seen that. Right. So yeah, it's like, a, it's and you could feel it though. But also they know that like, you know, Paul's going to be there for Fran in this, but also that is under the understanding that Fran is going to tell Jamie. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Paul wouldn't take this to his grave. Right. No, Paul, no, no. Paul's. Paul is doing Fran the service yes, of you can tell her letting, her letting her tell her. You're yes. right. And she does. And Jamie's very like cool and level. She's like a very level headed friend. Yeah. Which is great. It would be so easy for anybody to write this with instant judgment. Yes. Yes. And there's no judgment. None. She just wants to know <laughs> basically, how and why. Yeah. Yeah. There would be judgment if this scenario happened between any other two characters on the show and, and it was i slept with so-and-so it would be met with how could you do this why would you do this etc etc and that doesn't happen here yeah i guess it's a testament to their friendship yes yeah definitely so jamie asks, thank you for going with me on that yeah <laughs> jamie asks what about mark what about mark what about him well you know he wouldn't care how can you say because that? it's true Fran, because he left me okay he moved out. 
two weeks ago. I'm gonna go watch TV. <laughs> Ooh, I teared up a little. I can't. I can't with this. I, I mean, can't with this. Yeah. But then to puncture it with the, I'm going to go watch TV. Oh, it's so funny. The way he just turns. It's <laughs> great. I mean, they truly go there. Yeah. And it's very upsetting. Mark bought a $7 mustard and that started things off. Yeah. $7 for mustard? That was my point. Have, have you talked to him? I've tried. Do you want us to talk to him? Us who? Me and you. I'll get our coats. No, no, just wait, wait, wait. I don't, I don't think she wants yes, that. Yes, she does. I'll, I'll get the coats. Tell him I have all his cashmere socks, and if he's not home by 6 o'clock tonight, I'm going to start shredding a sock an hour. Okay. Sock an hour. I got it. And tell him I love him. And tell him I want it to work out. Tell don't him... worry. We'll tell him everything. Wait. No, 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 not everything. <laughs> I love the hostage bit. Yep. With the socks. Yep. But also this really killed me too, this little run. Tell him I love him and I want him to work out. Yeah. Tell him I'll really do, we'll sweet. tell him everything. Well, not everything. Not everything. <laughs> Jamie's reaction to Fran saying all of that is, you know, she could, they, I mean, these are her friends and she is putting herself in the middle. And I feel like Jamie thinks at the moment that everything is going to be fine. And so she is kind of just, you know, she's in PR mode. Right. Where it is it is still just like, okay, yes, I will do that. Yes, Don't you you're worry. right. This is I'll, what she does. I will manage this crisis. It's fine. Absolutely. And yeah, so, so she's, because this has nothing to do with her, but she needs to feel, she needs power. And, and control, yeah. Control. And so, yeah, so she's taking it upon herself to make it her business. So, yeah, we learned that Mark was staying at the Chelsea Plaza. Yep. And uh, did you notice anything? Did you notice anything about the Chelsea Plaza exterior? No. I looked at it for a while thinking there would be something to notice and then I moved on. I mean, first so the the their Chelsea Plaza has a green has green signage with white font that is the fakest of the fake, <laughs> but but also it's only half fake because there is if you watch it again the left half of your screen is a live shot of new york it's a live exterior no and it like it like wobbles are you and the right serious and the right half of the screen is fake yes is done on a computer <gasps> and so you get wobbling from the left this little tiny tremor from the left half of the screen that's that is not there in the right half is bonkers yeah go back and watch it it's weird i'm not gonna well you know what i am actually yeah because that's You're too weird oh, john if you don't watch the exterior wobble <laughs> you're cheating only yourself you gotta go back that's i thought you amazing. liked this show <laughs> oh, you know what else I did a little deep dive on for What's a that? second last night? I uh, tracked down what seems like an original opening credits from season five. And you were right about that. The Twin Towers being in the first oh, yeah? New York shot. Yeah. Interesting. They must have updated okay. the the shot for the new releases of the DVDs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to be right. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to the Plaza Hotel, the Chelsea Plaza Hotel. And right. I don't know about you, but I was on the edge of my seat. Whole time. Like the exterior, I was dying for it to be over. Yes. Uh, that being said, Richard Kind is so funny in this opening phone call. Oh, it, it is definitive. It is, yeah, it is like, it really is. if you need to understand him as an actor or as a character, yeah. this is the 20 seconds that you need. It's a 
Yeah, it's a thesis to statement. Paint the picture. He's in his hotel room. He's nervously waiting on the phone. There's a room service table in the room, and also what looks like a picture of maybe Fran and Ryan on the bureau. Yeah, I think so. And I thought, I don't know about you, Russ. I thought he was maybe calling Fran or something. I did not. I had no thoughts on to whom he was speaking on the phone. Okay. Well, he's calling until it happened. Yeah. Here, here it is. Hello, room service. Yeah, this is Dr. Devin Allen, room six eighteen. Listen. I've got to tell you, this is the best club sandwich I've ever had. No, seriously, because, because the bacon was just crisp enough to provide traction so that the tomatoes don't slide. <sighs> that is the funniest, weirdest thing. It's, well, what's weird is exactly how I think about food. <laughs> of course it, it is. It is. <laughs> that dumb web series I did, the yeah, Grumpy Food oh, Review Show, is literally yeah. this. Everybody go on YouTube and look up the Grumpy Gourmet, please. It is John being hysterical. But it is literally this perspective on food. Yes. And I and I yeah. it's all me. I agree with a hundred percent. Sandwiches are about friction and things always slip and slide on a club. Which is why they need a toothpick to hold them together, which is crazy. <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, why not throw super glue in there? Oh, God. Oh, you giant weirdo. Oh, but, oh, I mean, this monologue <laughs> is incredible. And also just Great. the signature. I wish it was my ringtone. Just the because. Yup. <laughs> oh, what a choice. <laughs> what weird choices. Yeah, the sub it's filled with the subtext of like you are really like it has that pride in the review of like boy i bet you've been told people like your club sandwich but no one's ever cracked exactly what you're yeah. doing that makes it so great and until me oh gosh john i can't think of this word for the part of speech that's like in the box around the box behind the box what are those in around behind do you know what i'm trying to think of what the what that part of speech is i understand the group of words you're saying i don't know what they're called oh it's driving me nuts this is not my you, field i'm very bad at that no it is mine and it's embarrassing we may wind up editing this part out but i feel like richard kind thinks that those words are the most important part of any <laughs> sentence yes yes that is so true. <laughs> That's oh. how that because yes, we need to look in what's happening with us, right? You know? Yes. <laughs> so there's a knock, and it's Paul and Jamie, and Mark invites them in, and Paul notices some magazines in the hotel room: Surfer Digest, Soldier of Fortune. <laughs> And there's a guy on the cover of Soldier of Fortune with like a an ammo belt and marks like prepositions. That. Oh, is that prepositions. it? Prepositions. Oh, did I you, can sleep. Did you look it up? No, it came to me. Is it possible? What were you you're saying wrong? about magazines? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I've got it. I hope so, because you might be wrong. I might be. All you uh, grammar so. Nazis out there, let them have it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a grammar Nazi, I'll know the shibboleth. <laughs> So, Russ, welcome back. I was just talking with the audience about the magazines. The magazines. Oh, I'm right. Prepositions. Okay. Who's got a cigarette? Oh, no. Let's uh, go. Lisa just thought of a word. Okay. <laughs> uh, did you follow that? I did. We are. <laughs> we were spiraling. We, we are okay. through the looking glass. <laughs> uh, next thing you know, Donald Trump's going to be president. <laughs> Soldier okay. of Fortune is a magazine found in Mark's hotel room by Paul. You remember that part? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And Mark identifies with the guy on the cover who is uh, mm-hmm. holding an ammo belt or wearing yeah. an ammo belt. And yeah. Mark is Mark, just Mark so says, yeah. fine. He's in it now. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's he's looking at these people in the magazines. He's saying they don't follow some routine in a daily planner. Jamie says, because they don't have wives who love them. Yeah. <laughs> and Paul points out, actually, mercenary wives. Yeah. A section oh, in the magazine. That's so great. Yeah. Which is a funny joke. But Jamie's saying because they don't have wives who love them is so sweet. Well, no, I expected him to be like a bit of a head case when we came to Mark, you know, like second guessing what he did or, you know, just being depressed a little. And he is so I mean, that's what's so weird and great. Like he's crazy about the club sandwich. Sure. But like he's so calm. Yeah. And confident and like, okay, And he's just like, so what did Fran tell you? Yeah. I kind of wish that they had gotten more specific and maybe they can. Maybe that's the most realistic part of all of it. Given how calm he is, I wish that there was more of a specific reason why he did it, why he moved out. Because as it is, it's just like, I didn't feel settled. I felt like there was something within me. Right. That needed to burst out. Yeah. Did you ever wake up one day and and just wonder? Everyone wakes up that day. It doesn't mean that they act on it. I did. Why? I don't know, Jamie. I don't know. I swear to God, I wish I knew. I really do. Did you ever see that movie Alien? Only the first one. It's like that. It's like there's this thing that's living inside me and it's eating me alive. And I swear, if if I don't get rid of it, it's just going to come bursting through my chest. Yeah, you just wake up one day and wonder. Yeah, and... I get that. Yeah. I mean, I understand that sentiment. I understand where he's coming from. But, I mean, Jamie's also right, where it's just like, yeah, everybody has those days. You don't leave your wife. But he's also right. No one ever does anything about it. That's true. And then they have a wonderful meta joke. Oh, my God. Is this? No, this isn't the first one, I guess, because like Jerry Lewis was full of them. But yeah. So Mark, Mark's trying to explain the feeling he had about their about his marriage. And he's like, did you ever see Alien? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul goes, only the first one. <laughs> Which is so great. For those who don't know, I'm sure you do, though. Paul is in the sequel to Alien, Aliens. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser is in, yeah. Paul Reiser is in Aliens, which I have never seen. I've only, uh, have you ever seen Aliens? I actually have not either. Yeah. We'll recap that one day. We'll, we'll do a mini app. Sounds great. That'd be a good one. Yeah. The only Alien movie I've ever seen is Alien Resurrection, the fourth one. Oh, Russ. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Treat yourself to Alien. My gosh, it's terrifying. I That's what I hear. I just watched it for the first time like four years ago, but it, yeah. I, I was terrified the entire It was amazing. Ugh. People are going to talk on the internet about more. Guys, great news. I haven't seen another movie. So now you all have something to yell at me about. Well, the first thing you hadn't seen was The Wire, which, Russ, is insane. (laughs) It's one of the best shows on television. The fact that you haven't seen The Wire is so crazy, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) So maybe you shouldn't say anything. Uh (laughs) But there's something inside of him, he says, eating him alive. And if he doesn't get rid of it, it's going to burst through his chest. Right. So Jamie convinces Mark to at least explain this to Fran to give her some sense of like, I mean, it sounds like he just was like, I'm leaving you and left. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, that's why I want him to have more something more specific. No, I mean, just... yeah, sorry, Russ. I mean, this is the harsh world. I know. Mark, I, you're right. Did a bad thing. But, well, I think if he's going to go, I think, look, if you want to leave, I mean, maybe that's it. If you want to leave because something's gnawing at you, I get it. But if you're going to go back and describe that to your wife of why you're leaving her, you better have something more concrete than something's gnawing at me. <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. 
So we go to the next scene. I'm also, I was on the edge of my seat. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. Because you thought that an alien was going to burst through yeah. Khan's chest. <laughs> so we go back to their apartment, the Buckman's apartment, uh, later that night. And right. Paul and Jamie and Mark walk in. And Fran is on the love seat with Murray, who's growling who at growling. Mark. Well, she calmly pets him and says, good boy. That's a funny bit of it's business. The, growl the growling Murray would be good enough if it was only a matter of, oh, he's growling at the mean guy who left Fran. But then also, uh, this is a rare moment of continuity because uh, there was that earlier episode where Murray didn't like Mark. Yes, right. That felt good. It did. <laughs> great point. So Mark, oh, this is a great moment. Mark looks mm -hmm. at Fran and he is just like, you look great. Yeah. You look great. I don't feel great. Well, you look great. You have like this kind of glow. Doesn't you have like a kind of glow? <laughs> Oh, You've got this glow. Of, oh, man. It's so messed up in a way, too. It really is. Uh, <laughs> that's dramatic irony, right? Where we know and he doesn't uh, know? That is, yes. Oh, what satisfying dramatic irony. So we learn this is horrible. Mark left Fran a Dear John letter on a prescription yeah, pad. Yeah, terrible. And then, terrible. see, Russ, this is my kind of old-fashioned joke. Fran says she couldn't read it <laughs> because he has bad handwriting. Because doctors have bad handwriting. Just, mwah, oh, gorgeous. Uh, gorgeous and old. Why do they, too? I never understood that. I don't know. They focus too much on saving people's lives, John. That's fair. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Asked and answered. <laughs> now they, um, Mark and Fran, decide to get to the act of reconciliation, which they do vis-a-vis -vis the Buckman. Yeah, Paul steps up and tries to explain for Mark, like what Mark told them in the hotel room, and he's failing dramatically. Sure. So Mark takes a stab at it. Fran, I love you. I love our son and our life and everything that we have together. And that's why you moved out. Paul, Mark. <laughs> oh, having Paul come back in is so... It's really rough. Big laugh. It's Big really rough, laugh. Very though. funny. Uh, so then the doorbell goes... I mean, this this scene is such great... Pacing. I wouldn't call it far... Yes, great. Yes. Great pacing. Yeah. So the doorbell goes off, and boy, oh boy, it's Sherman. Oh boy. Who's dressed very preppy for a night out. Mm-hmm. I wrote the note, Sherman yeah. arrives. Oh, no. <laughs> I wrote, oh boy, oh boy, in all caps. <laughs> and he's coming to apologize. And mm -hmm. he says hi to Fran in a very intimate way. I don't know if this was intentional. I assume it was. But like this show avoids all. I mean, for there being a trope alert early on. Like, I mean, this is like Indi if Indiana Jones was running through a cave full of tropes, he missed every single one. <laughs> right? Because like they wrap this situation up so cleanly and quickly like they make it clear that like Fran's married and that her yeah. husband's in front of him and Sherman gets the hint immediately and <laughs> is just normal and leaves I'm just thinking about Indiana Jones running through tropes but like an enormous boulder made up of the differences between LA and New York is rolling <laughs> behind him <laughs> <laughs> oh the most annoying tropes in the world <laughs> And the Nazis have to have them. <laughs> if I let these tropes get into the wrong hands. <laughs> if they understand the difference between those two cities, oh my God. they'll win the war. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
God. So, oh my God. So, yeah. So they explain, though, uh, in in this dealing with the situation, you know, it comes out that uh, Sherman's their painter. So the the second Sherman leaves, Mark goes, Nice guy. Is he any good? Yes. (laughs) Oh, what a... Great, great, great. All three of them. Wait, all three of them. Oh, no, all two of them. My brain put Lisa into that scene. Apropos of nothing. Might as well have been. Sure. No, just Fran and Jamie. Yeah. Uh, So Jamie's trying to help. Sorry, there's bugs crawling on me because I'm outside. But tell you what, guys, little update. Sun's going down. It's dusk. And it is just a beautiful L.A. evening. Yeah, I was going to say the sun was going down before. John and I are no longer on video conference. So I can't see that. But earlier, I was just like, you know, when John first placed his call, he looked pretty L.A. As the sun was going down, he was he was Don Johnson over there. <laughs> you know how you know how Don Johnson was in L.A. Vice. Yeah, everyone know everyone's very familiar <laughs> with Don Johnson's full filmography. I think. Yeah, and how he was largely L.A. based. Born and yesterday not for a show called Miami Vice at all. I'm the worst. Anyway, it's okay. I forgot who he was for a second. That's, <laughs> That's what's great. even crazier. I literally thought you were talking about Van Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. He's a o- very old movie actor who comes up a lot on the I Love Lucy season where they go to Hollywood. John! <laughs> I literally thought that's what you what meant. And then I was like, oh, hell? Don Johnson. And then what's even crazier is I said, oh, Don oh, Johnson, gosh. the young one. Oh, the current, I'm yelling it. The current one. <laughs> the current one. You know, Holy the one who's cow. in his 60s. Oh, God. It is 10 to 11 and I'm yelling in my apartment. I got to keep it down. You got to stop being ridiculous right <laughs> now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Jamie's trying to help, and Paul's trying to, like, they're going back and forth. Paul's trying to finish all her sentences, and she goes, honey, help or go to the bedroom, okay? Yep. And, <laughs> and he, he turns and walks. Oh, it's great. Uh, and then Fran sends Jamie in after him, which is good. It's, like, time for them to, like, discuss. Yeah. So here's one more trope averted. Mm-hmm. I, uh, call me crazy, Russ. Didn't you expect us to stay with Fran and Mark to watch the scene unfold? Yes. Guess what, everyone? We go with Jamie into the bedroom. And we get to see our hero and heroine act their faces off. Oh, uh, yeah. So Jamie is really disturbed by this uh, breakup of a marriage of, of her best Paul friends. Is, Paul is, too. Like he is. I, I hear I hear what you're saying that Jamie is devastated because they're so close. This is hitting Paul very hard. Well, he's putting on he the is, brave face though. He he is definitely putting on a face, but it is also very clear that he is putting on a face. Yeah. He has this bit about how, you know, Fran and Mark are Fran and Mark, and you can't have Mark without Fran and you can't have Fran without right. Mark. And if Fran and Mark wouldn't be Fran and Mark, if they weren't Fran and Mark, they would be Fran. And Mark, right, but they're he's not. Spiraling. They're Fran and Mark. And this is all him trying really hard to be there for Jamie. But he is having a really hard time dealing. He doesn't buy it. No, I don't think. No, I think you're right. Yeah. He's trying to convince himself. So while they're having this conversation, they look out the window. Why do they look out the window? I forget. I didn't write it down. Uh, we Paul goes to the window to... I just think to oh, oh it's fumey the the bedroom is uh, oh from he, the paint uh, yeah well oh, it's uh well done <coughs> or at least it's oh. not from the paint but yeah but jamie says she feels dizzy and sick paul connects it to oh it's <laughs> paul uses a device created by the writers as to why to go to the window and says it's the paint fumes it's clearly not the paint fumes why? it's mark and friend oh well yeah I've, but i mean that uh, yeah okay yes but yes so paul goes to the window to open the window and he sees Mark and Fran. They have made their way outside. They're out in front. They're on the street. 
and they're talking and Jamie and so the next clip is just Jamie and Paul a shot of Jamie and Paul looking out the window at what is in reality the floor of a soundstage yeah we are seeing Paul and Jamie's faces the camera is outside the window looking into the apartment as Paul and Jamie look out onto the street he's got his hand on her arm good sign he let go she's stepping back He's going after her. She's going to slap him. I don't know. She's hailing a cab. He's opening the door. She's getting in. Get in, Mark. Get in with her. Go home. I got goosebumps both times I watched this. I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. Me too. Oh, oh, and when, oh, guys, you can't see it. I mean, watch, you have to watch this episode. Yeah, please, please watch this episode. In fact, I would say the price, (laughs) the price of like season one on DVD, if it was just this episode is worth it. Yes, absolutely. I agree. When they're waiting for him to maybe get in the cab with her and then they, they don't say what happened. They just acted. It's. I teared. That's when I teared up. Yeah, it's incredible acting. It's and it's, like I said, it's just their faces. Yes, looking out a fake window that is in the middle of a building. Yeah, yeah, they're looking at nothing. Yeah, they're looking at nothing, uh, and it's it and looks the, like they're looking exactly what they're talking about. The timing that it takes to make everything that's happening real. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. What did you say? <laughs> the timing. The timing. Because these things aren't actually happening. No, they're the not way actually. You said it. I think it was crazy. I don't even remember now, but it was like bonkers. I don't either. We're going to have to listen back and find out if I'm crazy or not. Or what if I am? You might be. Anyone's guess. Sweepstakes. Listen to the episode. Tell us what we said. (laughs) Hashtag John's crazy. Hashtag Russ is crazy. Yeah, this is a. Uh, it's unbelievable. You're right. It's unbelievable. This is a sitcom, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this sitcom ends with yeah. Oh, first of all, they release the pressure beautifully. They with the uh, when when they climb into bed. Yeah, Jamie gets into bed. Did you change these sheets? Believe me. <laughs> oh, believe me. And you can f- you can feel the audience. Yeah. Just oh oh, it's good to laugh. Just be and what's very... crazy is. This audience yeah. is watching this unfold over the course of, in reality, like four hours. Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah, the very, tension. That's very true. <laughs> that's very true. This and, is uh, one This is one that's like, this is the kind of episode that makes the fact that it's shot in front of a live studio audience very interesting to me. For sure. I agree. And uh, yeah, so they have the, did you change the sheets? Believe me. Yeah, joke. right. And she asked him to hold her. And he does. And the episode ends. Yeah, and then the tag is just another shot of at night of New York at the FDR this time. So Mark and Fran are not a going concern at the end of this episode. Now this, I don't know if this was planned or the intention or like if Jeffrey Lane pitched this and put it together from his own writing. But this is what I thought was alluded to in Riding Backwards when he's talking about riding the rails and Jack Kerouac. Interesting. I was like, Mark, they're planting these seeds where Mark has this like yearning for like independence. That's very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I had not thought of that. Also, this episode. So, you know, Dinner with Friends, right? The Donald Margulies Pulitzer Prize winning play. Uh, Yes. In my head, I just always assumed it was a play written in like the early 90s or late 80s. Right. That's when I thought Donald Margulies was huge. And I was like, oh, this episode is Dinner with Friends. In a way, you know, there's moments that are right Right. out of the play. Right. Turns out Dinner with Friends won the Pulitzer Prize in the year 2000. Wow. So I think Donald Margulies ripped his whole playoff of this episode (laughs) of Mad About You. I don't see how it's possible that <laughs> Any, anything, anything else, else could yeah. be the case. 
this is by in I no mean, way a universal theme. If that's no, what you're about to I, suggest. No, I think Mad About You cornered the market on adults. <laughs> Adult relationships. Yeah, and uh, anything else is just a ripoff. Also, get this crazy thing. Mm -hmm. I I don't know about you, but I always assumed Dinner with Friends had been on Broadway. At some point... I don't think I thought that. Okay, well, it hasn't. You were right. I was shocked. I think Brooklyn Boy might have been his first Broadway production. I'm not positive on that. Never um, read it. I liked it very much. Did you see it on Broadway? I saw it, I saw it on Broadway. I saw the it original? off Broadway. I think it was off Broadway. Yep. <gasps> Alan Arkin, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you must Jen have been was, a little kid. Jen was, no, Jen was working at MTC at the time. Wait, his first... No, because I thought Sight, no, Sight Unseen was on Broadway, too, though. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he has Broadway productions that go back, I think, to the 80s, at least. Okay. Fair enough. I was shocked to see... Because, I mean, for those who know Dinner with Fred, like... The moments in this episode. Dinner with Friends is about adult relationships ending. It's about two married couples who are friends and one of them gets a divorce. And the divorce affects the other couple's relationship immensely. Yeah. And the moments, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning play and it's incredible to watch. And the acting is always amazing. And literally this episode has moments that are just as good. Yeah. It's a great episode. Everybody should watch it. Everybody should watch it. Yeah. Gosh, I hope they just make us laugh soon. I don't like all this feely garbage. Oh, yeah. Me neither. Ugh, thumbs down. <laughs> um, where have you gone, Jerry Lewis? Oh, <laughs> uh, John, we worked hard for this one. We did. I hope it comes out okay. Me too, because I realized not too long ago that my air conditioner has been on in the room this whole time, and uh, I'm sure it's just fine, but who knows how the sound quality will be. It might be be a little noisier, but uh, you know what? Maybe it'll add a certain ambiance that uh, people are enamored by. Welcome to the ambiance cast. (laughs) That was a... that was the where we talk Japan. about Mad About You almost as much, almost as infrequently as we do on Mad About Mad About You. <laughs> there used to be a radio show in Japan where they would record sounds and then just play that's, the sounds. That's very interesting. Yeah, very, what a very boring. What a country. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, John, uh, have ye anything to plug? Oh, <laughs> what do you think? No. Great. <laughs> Not uh, yet. Let's plug, let's plug our stuff. Folks, uh, like us, rate us, review us. Oh yeah! On iTunes, on uh, we're available on Stitcher. We're available tune in. everywhere. Tune in everywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep. If you like this podcast, first of all, thank you. Thank you. If you don't, thank you. But if you wanted to do something a little bit extra and you wanted to let somebody know that you like this podcast, let somebody know. You can write a nice little review on iTunes, share it with friends on Facebook. Just tell somebody in person, whatever you want to do. There is nothing more convincing than a personal recommendation. You're absolutely right. Word of mouth, best form of advertising. Indeed. So, yes, please use words from your mouth. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Mad About You Pod and on Facebook mm-hmm. at Mad About You Pod and on iTunes at <laughs> Mad About Mad About You. <laughs> yeah. and- Where's Chicago? Go- yeah. Where, when did Chicago guy get here? <laughs> the conga guy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, who cares? I said Chicago guy. Oh, was I doing a voice? It sounded, seemed like you were saying, hey, uh, just uh, uh, go and find us on, uh, yeah, oh, I got on Facebook or on iTunes. <laughs> Mad about you, Pod. Okay, sure. All right. Uh, I'm going to be this guy for the rest of the episode. Okay. So our theme music is by John D. Ivy, the best of the best. Our logo is done by Mr. Nathan Diffie, D-I-F-F-E-E. Wonderful job, fellas. And their sound mixing was done by Vuk Yevanovich. Thank you, sir. (laughs) That's enough of that. John, thank you for braving the elements. 
for making this podcast happen. I, I know. I was I was uh, getting very uncomfortable out here in the 78-degree uh, weather. Well, I'm going to make you more uncomfortable because you are going to lead the outro. Well, uh, okay. This was the show. Uh, I'm John Marbley. <laughs> I'm Russ Fader. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.